Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Start recording. I just need you, if you can, give me a count to five so I can set your levels. Go ahead. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, sounds good. Um, I'll do the intro separately, so I'm just going to jump right in it with you here. <clears throat> here we go. <clears throat> PJ, thanks for joining me. Um, you know, you and I have struck up a friendship and a relationship now going back a couple of years, and I just really admire what you do. And I didn't, I don't think a lot of Bills fans realize that uh, there's a Yankees coach that is a big Bills fan, and it's pretty cool to have somebody from another sport rooting for their team. So thanks for doing this. Oh, my pleasure, Sal. Uh, the Bills are a big part of my life, uh, and I'm excited to talk about it with you and some Yankees baseball. All right. Yeah, let's do that. So um, I want to talk about your life, first of all, and just how you became a Bills fan. But let's rewind even before that. Um, you know, just tell me about growing up. Where did you grow up and um, how much was baseball a part of your life as a kid? And when did it become much more serious for you? So I was born and raised in Southern California. Uh, my parents are originally from Rochester mm-hmm. uh, and they moved to California right before I was born. So I'm being born and raised up there in the, in the heat and the sun and um uh, I just got into baseball at a very young age. I was four years old, uh, grew up watching the Dodgers. Mike Sosha was my favorite player. So um, I couldn't wait to be a catcher and just throw the gear on. And, and I loved it. Um, from the first time I put it on, I loved it. And uh, from then it just stemmed. I played year round, um, you know, through high school. And, and then uh, I got a chance to play it uh, in college at Cal State uh, Fullerton, which is in Orange County. Um, uh, pretty good baseball program there. Very fortunate to be there. Um, we wound up winning a national championship there in 2004. Wow. Um, uh, fortunately, got drafted by the Yankees uh, in the 13th round. Uh, started my playing career with them. Uh, played nine years throughout the minor leagues. Made it as high as AAA for three years. Um, and then uh, retired. I guess it's hard to say retired at the age of 29. <laughs> uh, wasn't good enough to play anymore, I should say. And then uh, I started coaching immediately. Um, got into coaching uh, the very next year in 2012, uh, rookie rookie level with the Yankees uh, uh, down in Florida. And then uh, each year I was fortunate enough to get promoted from low A to high A to double A to, to triple A. And in 2018, it all culminated with um, a chance to be a part of the major league staff of the New York Yankees. So your parents are from Rochester originally. I'm assuming that's how you became a Bills fan. Um, are they, were they big Bills fans? Did they influence you in that regard? Uh, of course. Uh, my dad growing up in Rochester used to take the drive with all of his buddies in the, 
and you know the old Winnebago's and, <laughs> and buses down to the old rock pile and he was a huge Jack Kemp fan and um growing up like once you know how it is Sal having uh your son who's into sports it's like yep. you start to get to a certain age where you're starting to really understand it a little bit more and it just so happened for me that was you know the Bill Super Bowl run I was 10 11 12 13 years old and uh um I'll never forget the first run though for the Bills um I was kind of a little bit of a Raiders fan because they were in LA at the time and Bo Jackson was playing for the Raiders. And it's like, man, this guy was the most athletic freak you've ever seen in your life. And he played baseball. So it was, (laughs) man, Bo Jackson was my guy. Um, And my dad, I'll never forget, like asking me, I'm a 10 year old kid, PJ, who are you going to root for today? And this was the AFC championship game, the Raiders and the Bills. And I told him, I said, whoever wins this game, I'm a fan for life. And Obviously, the Bills did what they did and absolutely stomped them 51 to 3. And to be honest, Al, from then on, I've been absolutely crazy obsessed about the Bills and taking a lot of heat for it, a lot of flack for it over the years, as many of the, you know, Bills fan and Bills Mafia have over the years. But I don't know. They, a, I feel like they're a part of my DNA and I'm not letting it go at any time soon. You know what I mean? Absolutely. No, no doubt about it. Um, that had to be cool for your dad, though. I mean, you're like, hey, whoever wins this game, he wants them to win because he wants them to win. He also wants his son to be a, a Bills fan and all that. So that's got to be cool. Yeah, I think it I think it worked out good for him at the time, especially yeah. on the run that the Bills were on. But um, I think through the early 2000s and through the drought, he probably asked himself a few times, like, what have I done to myself? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I'm like obsessed. Like, I don't – I mean, unless we're playing during the season, obviously, now um, – I try to not miss a single snap of every game, rewatch the games, listen to all you guys on WGR, do your thing, post-game, pre-game, leading up all week. I mean, I'm obsessed. And uh, uh, I, I think it was pretty sweet. Sorry to jump all over the place. No, Sal, go ahead. I think it, I think it was pretty sweet. Because um, throughout the drought, I'm thinking, like, man, it would be really neat to, to be able to finally get to the playoffs again, me as an adult, and watch the game with my dad. Like, so many – stories of people in Buffalo with their family. I mean, the Bills are such a family thing and a family event. And I always thought about that. And and once they broke the drought and me and my dad were able to watch the game actually in Buffalo at 716 together, whether we scored three points or lost or what, it was like one of the best days, one of the best afternoons that, that, that we had. So it was great. That's awesome. So you watched the playoff game there? That's where you were when you watched it? Mm-hmm. That's pretty Yeah. Cool. Like I said, we jump around so much. I mean, the baseball career and baseball lifestyle is, I mean, it will take you everywhere right. across the country. And it's really hard to really have a home base and have a permanent home. So we happened to move to Buffalo in, in the fall of 2016, uh, myself and my wife. And uh, my parents actually went full circle and moved back to Rochester in 2017, in okay. April of 2017. And um, we happened to be living uh, in Buffalo at the time when the, when the playoff drought was snapped. I'd like to think maybe maybe they were just waiting for me to move back to Buffalo <laughs> snap the, the drought. Um, so, yeah, we actually, as soon as they clinched on New Year's Eve, I was making a reservation at 716, had dad drive in, did mom and dad drive in from Rochester. I mean, what a scene it was. I mean, I know you, your scene was obviously better on the sidelines in Jacksonville, but um, uh, it was a scene, man, just packed. Everybody just so, so thrilled to have that monkey off their back. I'll never forget it. I mean, yeah. it was epic. And I can attest, by the way, you and I, every once in a while, I never want to bother you because you're in season, but there might be a Sunday where we're in another city like Cleveland and I'll shoot you a text and like, hey man, game's about to begin. Let's get after this, you know? And it's cool because I know that you're paying attention to what's going on, um, but you got to balance that with uh, baseball as well. And, you know, 
how much of the rigors of baseball, you know, really prevent you from paying attention to what's going on during football season? Do you just have to carve out some time at night just to go, you know, search highlights and things like that? Because you baseball, man, that's a full day. It's a full day for a baseball game. It is. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize how long of a day it is, especially the major league level. Like for example, on a, on any given home night game, let's call it at Yankee stadium, um, as a coach, especially, it's probably a little bit longer for the coaches than it is for the players, and rightfully so, just because we're doing a lot more prep for, for upcoming teams or maybe teams that we're playing in a, in a few days or, or what have you. Um, we'll probably arrive at the stadium, uh, myself and the other coaches, around 11 a.m., and you know a Major League Baseball game can be really long sometimes, especially if we're playing Boston or somebody. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it might not end till 11. By the time we wind down and get out of there, it might be midnight. So um, it's long days. I mean, I'm not complaining about it by any means. I mean, it seems like it flies. I mean, I absolutely love what I do and I'm very blessed to be able to do it. Um, But they're very long days. So in in regards to your question about carving out some build time, I think the only little time I can find on Sundays is because we usually play day games on Sundays too. So, and it might be a travel day, meaning we're getting on the bus uh, to go to the airport or getting on a plane to fly somewhere where I'll be able to kind of maybe pull up the the post game um, on the radio, on the radio app and, or get on the buffalobills.com and, and watch some highlights or, or the new thing, get the game pass and just start rewatching the game, which is tremendous by the way. Yeah, it is. Um, it's a, it's so, a great chance. Yeah. To do that. And I'll tell you, even when I'm on the sidelines, if it is still in September, it's a Sunday, I'll be sneaking in some Yankee scores that I can look at too. So I, I make sure I, I follow well, that along as well. So we're all in the same boat. What about other guys um, in baseball? Are they hardcore uh, football fans or fans of other teams? Are there any other bills fans even on the Yankees? Um, there's no other Bills fans. Uh, one of our uh, guys that runs our food room, he's a Bills fan, actually, so we kind of talk uh, here and there. But uh, players-wise, I mean, throughout the league, and I mean, baseball, they, they love the NFL. I mean, uh, big fantasy guys, uh, but a lot of diehard guys, too. And it's, it's really neat because baseball is already a melting pot as far as cultures throughout the world. Mm-hmm. Um, but also within the United States, I mean, guys are coming from all over the place. So you might have, you know, fans of 20 different teams alone in your clubhouse. Um, we got one guy, uh, for the Yankee fans out there who, who follow, uh, Tommy Canely, one of our relief pitchers, one of our you know, really good season last year. Um, just imagine like the diehard Bills fan, like Bills mafia through and through, but for the Eagles, I mean, this guy, Eagles fan, like you wouldn't believe, I mean, travels with five, six Philly, uh, Eagles jerseys in his locker, even when we're going on the road or That's awesome. always bringing the Philly helmet with them wherever he goes. And, it's great. It's pretty neat to um, to see his enthusiasm for it. Buffalo people might um, might like to hear that he's a Sabres fan too. So that nice. So that might uh, might make them take some interest in Tommy Canley's career. But uh, are you yeah, are I you mean, a Sabres there's, fan? There's a lot of, uh, unfortunately, I don't want to make a lot of people mad, but uh, I'm not. I didn't really get into hockey right. um, until until around 2010. Um, just growing up in California, like yeah. there was so much to do that, that hockey, even though we had the ducks and the Kings, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't, you know, there were so many other things to do. I was more worried about football or baseball or going to the beach or, or doing something else. But, um, just from going to spring training in Tampa for the last, Oh man, how many years has it been now? 16 years. Um, me and a couple of my former teammates were like, Hey, we should go check out a hockey game and go check out the lightning. And they were, they weren't very good. It was 2010. And uh, we loved it. We fell in love with the game, fell in love with the sport. Um, and since I've kind of adopted the Lightning, I've been pretty, pretty locked in to, to hockey. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm like the smartest hockey guy in the world. Right. 
but I love watching the lagging play and the fact that, you know, that season's on pause right now is killing me too. So <laughs> now we will forgive you about that one. Uh, PJ Pilateri joining me. He mm-hmm. is the assistant coach for the Yankees. Uh, um, what's your official title? Uh, I am the assistant hitting coach. Assistant hitting coach. Okay. I want to talk about, you yeah. know, the Yankees in a minute, but real quick on your personal life, you did just get married recently, I believe, right? Shannon. And is Shannon from Buffalo as well? No, that's, uh, we did just get married in November and no, she's not. She's also from Southern California. Okay. So, okay. Um, I know when I met her though, when very familiar. I met her though on the sidelines and she was all into the bills with you. That's for sure. Oh, I mean, she is like, she is tremendous. She's completely adopted the bills. I even warned her when we first started dating she said, I'd like to be a Bills fan with you and watch the games. I said, are you sure? I said, I'm going to let you know, like, it's not easy. Um, there's going to be some heartbreak involved. And she said, I don't have a team. I'm all in. And so much so the first year we dated, we actually flew back to Buffalo from California uh, to watch a game. And it was like the typical drought game. Like, it's December, raining. The Bills are out of it. They're playing the Cowboys. And she absolutely fell in love with it. Like, the whole the tailgate um bill's mafia being in the stadium she loved every second of it and she was she was all in so that 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 obviously was nice but uh no she's um for what i do for a living moving around and and such the instability of being place to place it, it takes a really special woman to be able to understand that and and i'm sure you know as well sal like what you do you're traveling so much it, it takes a really special woman and i'm very blessed to have a, a very special wife who who gets it and I think because she's a former athlete herself, she kind of understands what it's all about. You know what I mean? What did she play? She was a softball player at uh, LSU. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. That's high-level athlete yeah. right there, man. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. she She's much better athlete than I ever was, to be honest. <laughs> and, and I may have misspoke. How long have you been married? We just got married uh, this past November. Okay. That's what I thought. Okay. Uh, November 9th. Okay. Yeah. Now, you know, also, by the way... Um, Reed Ferguson, the long snapper of the Bills, he is a huge Yankees fan. Really? Oh, yeah. Reed and I, we talk Yankees all the time in the locker room, so I'll have to hook you up with Reed for sure, but he is a huge, huge Yankees fan. So let's talk about the Yankees. I want to ask you, what was it like the first time you were ever on a field when Aaron Judge was hitting a baseball? It's pretty – a good question, Sal. Um, First of all, the first time I ever saw him is when we first drafted him in 2013 – and I actually saw him at the minor league complex. And I mean, you read the reports, you see the video of how big and tall and strong this guy is. And then you meet him and you see him in person. And you're like, Oh my God, like this guy is the biggest baseball player I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, watching Aaron judge hit a baseball is something unlike, I don't know. It, it's, I don't want to call it once in a lifetime, but it's just not normal. It's, it's very special. Like with the ease with which, this guy produces power and uh, generates bat speed and is able to hit balls further than majority of players in the world. It's special. And uh, I got, I'm very fortunate to be at like to have had a front row seat to a lot of his development through the minor leagues. I coached him in, in a ball and double a, and then uh, now getting to be around him a lot more in the major leagues. It's been uh, it's been a treat. Um, so I don't know if that really answers your question, but <laughs> Uh, is a special talent and for as, for as talented and as big as he is physically, uh, I mean, this guy is, is the real deal mentally. Uh, he's, he's a genuine, amazing person. And, and what you see, uh, from Aaron judge in, in the public eye is, is not phony. He's, he's the best in the business. And obviously a little bit different of a player, but still tremendous young player, player, Glaber Torres, you guys get him, you know, in a trade a few years ago, but, um, you know, what's it been like watching his development as well, especially at such a young age? 
amazing. Um, this guy has instincts like, like you just, you just can't teach. Like there, there are certain things it, like you see in all sports that guys are natural and um, guys are instinctual. They just see the game differently. And it's so hard to, or it's so easy to um, forget that this kid just turned 23 years old and he's already got almost 70 homers in the big leagues and hmm. uh, hasn't really struggled offensively yet at the major league level. And I mean, it's a testament to him. Like he's a student of the game. He's got, he's got amazing recall on, uh, on pitchers that he's faced and how teams try to attack him. And uh, he's just, he's a really instinctual player that I think I feel like we feel like uh, as an organization is just even scratching the surface of, of what he can be. And, and we know we're setting the goals of him being a star player uh, really high. What's it like coaching under and with Aaron Boone? Amazing. Um, Booney is a people person. Uh, you know, he's the same guy every single day. He's, uh, he's enthusiastic. He's got a lot of energy. He loves being around his coaches and his players. Um, obviously he's, uh, you know, his, his baseball family with his, his brother, his father, his grandfather. I mean, it's, I mean, baseball runs through his, through his veins and it's in his blood and, and being, having the chance to be on his staff now for the third year, it's been awesome. Uh, He's a great communicator. Um, He's always looking to take care of his players and his coaches. And uh, I think he handles the New York market, which can be really tough. He handles it with ease and uh, um, really fortunate to be on his, be on his coaching staff. Tell tell me uh, the day in the life of a hitting coach. Like, what do you do? What how how do you translate? You know, coaching to the players uh, when the game is over, the pregame batting practice, all that kind of stuff. Like, what goes into your job? A lot. Like I said, we'll get to the ballpark at eleven, and usually around eleven, if not earlier, where uh, myself and uh, the hitting coach Marcus Timms will be diving into video on the pitcher or pitching staff that we're facing that night. Uh, once we get through that, make some notes. Once we get through that, now we start diving into video of maybe the the, the game from the night before and um, break down some of the swings of, of our guys that they took in the previous game. And um, that'll get us to around 1 o'clock. And around that time, we we head down to our, our batting tunnels where we got two down by the dugout at Yankee Stadium. Um, we'll start having, you know, uh, our, our guys trickling through the cage, getting their routine stuff in. Uh, that'll take a few hours. We're usually stretching. We usually stretch the guys at four. Uh, they take batting practice on the field. Um, head out there and do the whole three rounds of BP or three groups of BP on the field. That takes about an hour. So now we're about 530. Uh, we get inside. We meet with the entire um, position player group. Uh, we show them a video of the pitcher that we're going to be facing that night, some tendencies, um, some approaches that we think uh, as a team would be successful or would give us some, a chance to have success against the guy we're facing that night. Um, and then after that, I mean, let's grab a quick bite, mm-hmm. uh, six o'clock, head back downstairs to the cage, uh, get the guys some more swings uh, before they kick it off at 707. Unfortunately, um, the Yankees uh, just lost uh, one of their primary owners, uh, Mr. Steinbrenner. And, uh, you know, this is an organization that I know I grew up, you know, and watching from close and far, obviously, I didn't go to any games until I was a little bit older. By the way, real quick story. My first step, my only trip ever to the old Yankee Stadium. I shouldn't say that. My first trip ever, I did go twice. My first trip ever was during the Subway Series when Roger Clemens threw the bat at Mike Piazza. That was the only game I'd ever been oh, to man. until then because my wow. my college roommate actually is the video scouting director for the Mets. And he happened to be 
rising up through the ranks at the time. And we were at a wedding and he said, do you want to go to the game? That was my only trip ever to the old Yankee stadium until I went later on with my son after he was born, or I should say uh, before my son was born with my wife. And then we went again after Max was born to the new one. Right. What a, what a game to go to. I was born like growing up as a kid. I was like being a Dodger fan. Like I said, Mike Socha, like Mike Piazza was my guy. And yeah. Being in LA, like at the time, like, you know, I, you know, there wasn't much love lost for the Yankees, but man, I was like, what's going on? That was, what a crazy game to be at, Sal. It was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And obviously for me, I'd never been to Yankee stadium and here's my chance. I go to the subway series and then that happens, which was, was really wow. cool. Um, you obviously experienced a lot of highs and some lows, very disappointing. You know, when you get to the pinnacle and you can't bring home a championship that we know that well, I've, you know, been there as a fan in mm-hmm. multiple sports, um, just, you know, Tell me a little bit about, you know, experiencing all that with the the people you have in that organization and going back to what I said about, you know, the organization itself, the Yankees. They're just maybe one of maybe regarded as the greatest, you know, known organization in all of North American sports. Yeah, I mean, when you walk through the doors as a player, coach uh, and a support staff, anything, you walk through the doors, the expectation is winning. Mm-hmm. And not just winning, it's winning at a high level. And the expectation is a championship every single year. And the Steinbrenner family has does an absolutely amazing job of giving the organization and giving the major league club um, every opportunity to do that, be it accommodations, be it facilities, be it travel. Um, they want our focus to be on playing the game and winning and bringing home another championship and bringing home number 28 is where we're at right now. Um, and I just, I mean, we, we can't thank them enough for the opportunity that they give us to to go out there to coach or play or, um, you know, train the guys in the weight room, the opportunities that they give us and the, and the resources that they give us are, are top notch. And I think, uh, that is a, a big major reason of why we have the success and the tradition that we do. Um, and it's a really, really special place to work. You know, um, and there's a lot of responsibility that comes with being a Yankee. Yeah. And, and on that note, when I was in Florida, when I was living down there and I was a, a teacher and, uh, coaching high school football, uh, a friend of mine was on the grounds crew for the Port Charlotte stadium. At the time it was the Rangers, you know, now it's the, um, yep. Rays obviously in Port Charlotte. And he, he said mm-hmm. something that really stuck with me at the time. He said, you know, he goes, uh, after games, you know, we have to clean the dugouts and stuff. And this is going back to the early two thousands. He said, but he said the only team that cleans up after themselves is the Yankees. And I'm not kidding. He said that he goes, they actually do their own. They make sure the dugout looks good before they head out. He said, we have to go in there. We have to clean up after everybody. And I, it always struck me that it was important to an organization that they even did something like that. Yeah, absolutely. I can remember myself being a minor league player in minor league spring training. Um, and we'd go to opposing, you know, uh, complexes, be it the Blue Jays or Phillies or Pirates. And it was always a thing, like, we're cleaning the dugout before we leave. Like, do not leave trash. Like, we were all about presenting ourselves um, with class and being respectful to our opponents and being respectful to, you know, stadiums or fields or, or you know, anywhere that we traveled with the Yankee logo on our chest or on our head. Um, we are representing the organization at all times, and, and that is something that was really important. Um, I think once you buy into that, too, with the – you know, the shave rules and, and the way you need to wear your uniform, it, it gives you a sense of discipline. And if you can buy into that and make that a part of your, uh, you know, everyday routines, I mean, that just becomes a part of your DNA. And once it becomes part of your DNA, it's just, you know, there's a right way to do things. And it's never a question once um, you buy into that. You uh, mentioned, you know, playing across the country. You, you've played across the world now. What was it like playing in London? Well, 
really cool, really great, really cool experience. Uh, long flight, um, but really neat experience. I mean, especially to be uh, one of the first teams to play over mm-hmm. there. Um, it was really neat. Um, it went by so fast, though, Sal. Like we we traveled all the way there. We got one day off. We played two games, and we flew right back. So we didn't get a chance to see a lot of stuff. Uh, we saw the London Tower. We had like a, a dinner event in the London Tower, which was nice. Uh, got to walk around uh, the city a little bit. Uh, but most of the time I was spent at the stadium um, and tried to treat it as, as normal as it could be. Uh, but, I mean, an amazing two days. I think the games felt like they were 12 hours apiece because, I don't know, I think there was maybe 70 runs scored between both teams <laughs> in two right. days. I mean, yeah. it was – it was uh, the stadium was where they had the, uh, the Olympics, like a track and field event mm-hmm. um, is where we played. And the way the stadium was built – it was built to not have airflow come through, even though it's an open air stadium, you know, so they can have a chance for world records on the track and, and, and you don't lose the integrity of that kind of thing, you know? So that's how it was built. And well, it wasn't built for baseball because uh, sliders were not breaking and um, it just felt like it was a, a launching pad, but it was, it was fun <laughs> to be a hitting coach. I'll tell you that much. Uh, you know, I mean, our guys were having a good time and loving the ballpark, but uh, what a great experience. The fans were awesome. The place was packed. Um, it was a really, really cool environment. And obviously to have uh, the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox there, I mean, it was, yeah. it was pretty, pretty special event. Something I'll remember for a long time. Yeah, you know, the Bills played there in 2015, obviously against the Jags. Uh, I was there for that. And it was, uh, it was pretty interesting and unique, that's for sure. The game didn't wind up as good as we wanted. That was the E.J. Manuel game early on, all those uh, turnovers. And then they came back, and then the phantom pass interference. But, you know, just going over yep. there and experiencing that, um, I know they will at some point again. I don't think it's going to be this year. Who knows? Uh, and I, I liked it, although it was definitely a different feel in the stadium. Like you didn't, like you didn't have all Bills fans. You didn't have all Jags fans. It was like everybody a potpourri of fans, basically. Yeah, I mean that's kind of how it was there as well. Um, but it's still like I think when you're in it and you're down in the field and in the dugout, I mean it could be a little weird at first. Right. But once the game starts, you're you're just kind of locked into playing. I mean. Um, the worst case, it could be like a road game. I mean, it's, I mean, there are worse environments to play. Like when we travel to Boston, I mean, <laughs> it's a very, very uh, intimidating and um, unfriendly place for the New York Yankees to go play. Let's just put it that way. Um, but I mean, it's, I mean, it was a different experience, but such a big stadium that mm. there were so many fans that um, you know, I, I don't think you really noticed the split just because there were so many that there was still a lot of noise in there. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, PJ Pelletieri joining me. He is the assistant hitting coach for the New York Yankees. Also, a big Buffalo Bills fan. So I have this. You know, you and I were recording this on Friday morning. I have to do this draft with Mike Shope and the Bulldog on Friday afternoon, where we're going to draft our all-time Bills team. So there's four people involved. So you know, I'm guessing, and it's only going to be offense, by the way. So I'm guessing Jim Kelly will go first. If that happens, and if I get the second pick, who should I pick second? Only offense. If Jim Kelly Ooh. goes first, who should I pick? If Jim Kelly goes first, you probably don't want to go QB next. Right. Um, ooh. Thurman, Andre. That's such a hot I would, I would probably go. I mean, I know OJ. <laughs> today's day and age are running backs, but I, ooh, it's just offense. Just offense, all-time Bills team. we got to create the all-time best team we can as far as Buffalo Bills career players. So I'm thinking it's got to be Thurman, Andre, OJ Simpson, um, I, Cookie Gilchrist. I, I think you got to go Thurman. You got to go Thurman, man. I mean, Thurman in today's day and age is Christian McCaffrey, right? I mean, it's Thurman. That's right. 
I mean, he started he started the receiving out of the backfield, the all-purpose yards. I mean, Thurman was such a beast, man. Uh, he was so fun to watch, and he was so good. I mean, he he's Thurman in today's game would be awesome still with his skill set. It's just, I mean, I think he could have played in any era. No, I agree. I agree. Well, that brings us to this uh, year's Buffalo Bills. Obviously, we don't know what's going to go on, and I do want to touch on uh, baseball and what you're doing with uh, with everything going on right now. In a minute, but what we don't know what's going to happen with the season. Uh, but as we sit here right now, if we anticipate there is going to be a season, um, how excited are you to have Stefan Diggs? What do you think he does for this offense? Oh, super pumped to have Diggs on the club. I mean, I think it really makes that receiver group really formidable. Um, obviously, Brown and Beasley were amazing last year. I think it frees them up to be even better. Um, Diggs is special i haven't stopped watching highlight tapes since we since we traded for him and i think he's going to do a lot to help josh um i think he's going to do a lot to to free up a, free up a lot of guys on that offense and um i can't wait to watch him i'll say that much <laughs> yeah i know it's going to be fun what about uh where the roster is and what you think they should do next week once they're on the clock assuming they do not jump back in the first round they shouldn't uh pick number 54 on friday night i know brianna bean's going to take best available player we know that but is there any area you'd like to see them maybe try to add a little bit of depth? To be honest with you, at this point, I have so much trust, so much trust in Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott and the roster that they've built is mm-hmm. so strong that, like we were talking earlier today, Sal, like there's there's just not really any holes anywhere that that if they go best player available, whoever they take, I'm completely yep. convinced that he's going to help to help the roster be a depth or be it you know a starter, even though there's not many starting positions available on this club right now, but. Um, I have so much faith in what they've done, and they've done everything the right way. I mean, how could you not? So whoever we take, uh, I'm sure is going to be a heck of a football player and can't wait to watch him fit into this team. I want to tap into your um, your skills as someone who watches players develop and ask you about Josh Allen. And, and kind of think about yourself as a coach. I know it's a different sport, but you know what could you tell Bills fans about where Josh Allen came into this league, where you've seen him go, and where he can go based on your experiences watching people do this in baseball? So from a development standpoint, I mean, the physical tools jump off the page when you watch this guy. I mean, they just jump. I mean, they scream at you. And to compare it to like a baseball, like when we draft guys or we sign guys internationally and they walk into the cage or they walk into the, you know, to the ballpark and they can do things that you don't see every single day. That's different. Those guys Mm -hmm. don't walk in the building every single day or every single year. And I compare that to, so let's, you know, like a guy that comes in like Josh is, is like we would say in baseball is tooled up. Like he can hit for power. He can run. He can throw. Uh, he can uh, put the ball in play. He can play defense like a five tool player. You hear that kind of stuff. Now, five tool players are great. There's a lot of guys that don't wind up making it. that are five tool players. They just don't reach that ceiling. Um, but I would compare Josh to that. Like you see him, you see the size, you see the speed, you see the arm strength. You see the the intangibles. I mean, it seems like a guy will run through a brick wall for his teammates. Uh, it just jumps out at you. And um, really, really cool to see the improvement in his game this past year. But, I mean, Bills fans and NFL fans and people around the around the country need to realize, like, guys like that don't walk through the door every day. And, and we're really lucky to have a guy with that, that skill set playing quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Can the things that they talk about that, you know, passing efficiency, accuracy, stuff like that. I mean, again, tapping into your knowledge, uh, a coach and you see a guy that, you know, he struggles with a certain area. Like what's the key to unlocking that? What's the key to getting better? And 
do you have to just say, hey, he's never going to be like Josh Allen's never going to be Drew Brees, right? We know that PJ. He's never going to be that type of guy. So what's what's the way right. to get him to maximize his at least his efficiency or to balance out the other things that he can do to make sure that those things don't hurt you in the long run? Yeah, I mean, I think like to compare it to baseball, like, I mean, guys have weaknesses and areas that need to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, and you work at it and you work at it. But but a big key is you need to still work on your strengths. Right. And things that Josh is really good at is, is escapability and and throwing from broken pockets and making plays on the run. And you can't completely take that away from a guy because if he's continually just working on weakness, 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 now that strength is a little bit less of a strength. If, if you know what I'm saying, Sal, and right. um, you got to keep feeding the strength. And I think that um, Brandon Bean and coach McDermott, especially getting digs now, like putting so many athletes around this guy is promoting an athletic culture on the offense as a team. And, um, I feel like they're going to out-athlete some people this year. I mean, they, they got so much speed, and um, it, I think I – think, and Coach Dayball, obviously, too, does a really good job of, of putting Josh and his players in position to succeed, in my opinion. And um, I think he's going to continue to work. He seems like a guy that's really aware of his deficiencies. But at the same time, like, when you're developing guys, like, yeah, we're going to work on the deficiencies, but just to bring it back, Sal, like, you still got to feed those strengths, and you still got to – really fine-tune the the areas that make you a special player, if that makes sense. It does. It does. I remember when I was a student at Syracuse University, there were lots of Bills fans. It was during the Super Bowl run, but lots of Giants and Jets fans came from New York. You're right there in the middle of it. What's it like being around all those Giants and Jets fans, especially Jets and Sam Darnold being a Bills fan? Uh, It's tough. Like, we got some Jets fans in the house. I mean, they've had a similar plight that we've had the last, you know, couple decades. Um, So it's nice to give some you know, some ribbing back and forth here and there, especially with Darnold and, and Allen getting drafted in the same class, um, kind of trying to, you know, put money or take bets to see which guy's going to be better. And there's no love lost. And I try to not rub it in too much because I kind of <laughs> believe in karma and superstition if you if you want, just because, like, I know that anything can happen in, on any given day in any sport. But uh, it's been pretty neat, um, you know, as a fan to watch, you know, both teams obviously kind of rebuilding at the same time. Uh, I'm I'm hardly unbiased, but I really believe that that our rebuild and our and our roster right now is leaps and bounds better than theirs. And um, yeah, I can't wait to watch it. And I also unfold. I also think they have much better leadership. I'm not a big fan of Adam Gase or you know what they're doing in New York. And obviously, as you know, being from where where you're from and the organization you're with, how much leadership you know does matter and and can translate. Let's um. Let's wrap this up with a, a couple more quick questions here. Uh, first of all, I want to talk about you know what you're doing right now to stay busy. I, we all hope there's going to be football. We all hope there's going to be baseball. You have already you know seen a month of your season essentially canceled. Hopefully, we can get these things in sooner rather than later. Um, nobody knows what the future holds, but how do you stay fresh, mind and body? What is your daily routine like as far as staying in contact with players, coaches, things like that? Yeah, we've done a pretty good job. I mean, this is obviously uncharted territory for everybody in all sports. I mean, uh, you kind of you make do with what we got every single day. And um, we do a good job of communicating through Zoom conferences with the coaches uh, to continue talking about players and, and areas where they need to improve. Um, and then as coaches, we do a good job of, of reaching out to our guys a couple times a week to make sure they still have facilities to, to work out in the weight room or or facilities to hit in a cage or throw outside or somebody to play catch with just things that, you know, you take for granted. Um, so we, we do a really good job of staying on top of our players um, and making sure that they're, they're able to get their work in through this time and uh, staying sharp. So uh, when the word does come down that we can start that they're ready to go. 
Yeah, well, let's hope that happens really, really soon, obviously. All right, last question before I let you out of here. P.J. Pilateri, assistant hitting coach for the Yankees, also a big Bills fan. What's the best baseball movie? What's your favorite baseball movie? Oh, man, that's such a tough question. Uh, probably Major League for me, the first one. I think um, me too. I think me too. Know, I, I probably shouldn't have been watching it as a kid, to be honest. <laughs> but, uh, you know, as you, as you grow up, I mean, that's just, I mean, it's, there's a lot of things in that movie that are similar to, to, to baseball and, and it's funny at the same time. And, and Charlie Sheen actually had really good pitching mechanics. And, um, there's, I mean, it's just a, it's a, it's a timeless movie for me that anytime it's on TV, I'm going to stop and I'm going to watch it. So. Awesome, man. Well, thank you uh, for doing this yeah. today. I really appreciate it. Obviously, uh, say hi to your lovely wife, and uh, hopefully we all get through this and we can watch the Yankees and everybody else playing baseball soon, PJ. I hope so too, Sal. Thanks for having me, and uh, stay safe. Go Bills. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.